Hi, welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of April 13. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing agency that's putting out this podcast. And we have with us Adam Meyer, design director. And we're trying something new today. So we're going to find out whether you can really tell the difference, but we're recording this podcast remotely because we're going to start inviting guests in from around the country, people we've met through Twitter, clients, that kind of thing. And we thought we better try this out ourselves before we threw the innocent into the pit (laughs) (laughs) and forced them to figure out how to do it. So uh, we've, uh, we're pretty confident that this is going to turn out just fine. But if you notice a difference in the quality of audio or if it sounds a little different, uh, that's why. Yep. And we'll be, we'll be playing around with a few different settings to uh, try to perfect it. Um, So we're kind of in our infancy right now of figuring out the remote uh, recording stuff. So I have no doubt you'll notice a difference in quality between our normal audio and now, but uh, like Chris said, we're, we'll, we'll be figuring it, figuring it out here as we go. And for those people that actually care or have an interest in the geeky tech things that you do, Adam, why don't you like briefly describe the setup we got going on right now? All right. Well, today it's uh, pretty straightforward. We're just going, we're going right through Skype. We're basically recording a Skype call um, in the office. Uh, we, we sit around a conference table with microphones set up for each person who is being, uh, who's talking. Um, and that all feeds through and records individual tracks in, uh, we, we just use GarageBand on Macs in the office. Um, so that's the difference between how we normally do it and how we do it today. And I suspect moving forward, it'll be somewhat of a hybrid between the, between both so that people who are offsite will be, uh, coming in through Skype or something similar. Um, and, uh, we'll be working on getting the best audio possible through uh, through the, our original means as well. Cool. Okay. So let's dive into some issues. Uh, I want to start with something that uh, we're going to get to uh, a, a challenge that I'm facing with social networks uh, related to healthcare marketing a little bit. But this was a posting that was related to the four P's of marketing, which if you have marketing education or background, you're probably familiar with. Uh, this posting was, it was kind of an article, a blog post, and it was talking about how this author thought the fifth P was coming to dominate all the rest. And what caught my eye was, uh, according to this author, the fifth P was people, which I had never heard before. I have heard of the fifth P being positioning. Uh, and of course, okay, Adam, I'm going to quiz you. You ready? Yes. What are, the, what are the four P? What are the original four P's? The original four P's of marketing are product placement I'm probably not going to get them in the right order price promotion right nice yeah I don't know if there is an order that's probably a good not. question Maybe I've not. got a I have a book in front of me to refer to if we wanted to called Kotler on marketing uh, that I got when I went through some schooling and uh, got my MBA and it's, it's a nice overview so I've, I've got it open to that in case we want to refer to it but I'm not sure that there actually is an order but anywho, product, you know, just like you talked about, is the, the quality, the design, the features, all that stuff. Uh, prices, obviously price and discounting and all the things that go along with it. Promotion is a lot of what we do, sales, promotion, advertising, PR, uh, all that type of stuff. And then place is it channels, uh, in-store promotion, I would think, is an example of a place. Uh, locations, inventory, transportation, all those things. So. Anyway, what, what, what I wanted to do was just kind of throw that back out and, and not really discuss the fifth P so much, uh, but just kind of talk about this, uh, this tenet of, health, of marketing that's been around forever, 
uh, I think the book says it came out in the 50s or the 60s, and try to apply it to healthcare. And is it something that is still relative to healthcare? Uh, and and you don't hear it very much. At least I don't. Do you? I mean, when I go to conferences or when I meet with other marketers, I don't really hear people. You know, okay, let's let's build this plan around the four P's. Right. Right. And that's kind of. I mean, obviously, that's it. Still applies the thought process, but it feels like an archaic way of thinking about marketing today. In my yes. opinion. It does. It, it still can apply, I think. Right. Uh, but there's so many other nuances, and you know, people trying to add the fifth piece, so whether it's positioning or people or whatever else there is, uh, I think that kind of shows that it doesn't. It's not necessarily inclusive of everything. But the one thing I think that it really helps illustrate is the challenge that we face nearly every day as healthcare marketers, which is the misunderstanding of marketing mm-hmm. by those who aren't in the marketing department. So I'm talking about a lot of senior leadership positions, folks in the organization, because what they do is they equate marketing they equate marketing with one of those P's, which would be promotion. So to them, marketing equals advertising, sales, public relations, uh, you know, and a lot of what we try to do is advocate, well, the product is huge. And in this case, we're talking as much about the experience as we are the quality of clinical care. So we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Uh, we talk a lot about place. So much of healthcare marketing is channel driven. So, you know, a lot of times uh, the uninformed or the uneducated with marketing are looking for a consumer advertising solution to a channel challenge. Mm-hmm. So, we're not getting enough referrals uh, in XYZ service line. We need to run an ad campaign when they need to look at their referral channel and say, well, why is that? Or why are physicians, you know, sending people other places and and what have we done to improve the relationship and all those things. And then the one that rarely gets talked about until recently is price because uh, price is kind of a misnomer in healthcare. It's usually people talk about cost, not price, because consumers don't always pay a quote-unquote price. They're paying a copay or whatever. Uh, But more and more we're seeing the impact of pricing uh, as transparency comes through, as consumer-driven healthcare comes through and you and I out there in the world who are having to pay for this stuff are actually looking at well, what is the price of this, not just the cost, which can be interchangeable some ways. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little deal to throw out there. Yeah, and you know, just just sitting here, I googled the the P's of marketing, and it's it's entertaining to look at the results because, like, it's just looking through the first ten results, I've got some guy who's got his 10 P's of marketing. The next one is some guy who's got the six P's of marketing. Then it's the seven P's of marketing. Then it's the nine P's of marketing. <laughs> right. So apparently marketing is full of P. This is a lot. Well, of <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> so yeah. And in, in this book, uh, if you're not familiar with Philip Collar, he's probably one of the most well-respected marketing uh, experts there is. And he's been around for a long time. Uh, he adds politics and public opinion to his P's. Uh, and then he says, you know, instead of the four P's, maybe we should be talking about the four C's, which he calls customer value, cost to the customer, convenience and communication. So lots of acronyms, lots of onomatopoeia, lots of, you know, how many letters can you fit into one framework? Uh, but anyway, it, it was interesting to see somebody put another twist on it and uh, it really caught me off guard when the assumption was the fifth P was people. And I'm like, well, I've never heard of that before. 
So I thought we'd throw that out there. So it'd be interesting to hear from other people if uh, they use the four Ps, because uh, I just don't think it's really used too much anymore uh, right. to build green plants and that type right. of thing. So another thing we wanted to talk about was uh, we we posted a we had a blog post on this uh, this week. We had another encounter with a healthcare marketer here, a client of ours, who ran into a uh, an icky ROI situation. We've talked about that on our podcast before, uh, but in this case, uh, you know, I'll, I'll protect the names here, so we'll use anonymous names. But this healthcare marketer was uh, pitching a service line strategy, a marketing plan to the team internally. And uh, part of that plan included, let's say, let's call it $50,000 in advertising to help promote this service line. Uh, it's not necessarily a service line that uh, lends itself to immediate action by a consumer. So it's not something like promoting an orthopedic class. It's not something like promoting diabetes uh, care or nutritionist care. It would be something like uh, general surgery or heart care or things where, uh, you know, people don't really need this until they need it and they're not going to think about it. And the, the pushback she got when, when she laid out this whole marketing initiative was, so you're telling me or, or can you guarantee me that if we spend this $50,000 in advertising that we'll get $100,000 in new business? And she was kind of throwing up her hand saying, okay, let's back up a second. Let's talk about how we measure the results. Uh, let's talk about when ROI is appropriate. Uh, and it's just another example I thought of the daily battles that uh, folks we serve and work with have to fight. Right. And, you know, the, the frustrating part from a client perspective, I think, is that often they're not – they're asked to demonstrate this value and prove the ROI will – could ex can exist, but often they're not even given the resources or tools that are necessary to measure to measure the ROI, whether it's a CRM system or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky area. Yeah, it's very tricky, and, and like we've said before, we're all for ROI. We're all for measurements. We think everything you do as a healthcare marketer should be measured in some way, so you can help prove the value of it to your organization. And ROI is, in some ways, the ultimate means because you're literally showing dollar for dollar what this brings in. But like you said, you know, if if you're promoting, uh, let's say you're promoting even heart screening, and you know, you you're, you want to pull in people for let's say women's heart disease, and it's a screening or a class, and you're spending ten thousand dollars in that effort, uh, how do you measure the ROI of that if you're pulling in a hundred women? Uh, for a screening, the intent is that you know some of those will will realize they need further help and get a consult. We've got to be able to measure and track. Well, who are those women? Uh, where do they get their consult? Did that consult lead to a stress test? Did it lead to you know angioplasty or whatever? If you don't have the systems in place to measure that, there's no way to really know the the end uh, ROI of that. So, uh, but you know, just the kind of using the ROI as a bludgeon to kill an idea uh, kind of to show like, hey, look, I'm so smart. I'm going to throw this out there. And if you can't answer it, you must not have your act together. Uh, boy, that's really tough to deal with, I think, for healthcare marketers. Yeah. And, you know, let's not even talk about that you're asking for basically a, well, I guess that's 100% return on investment, which is, you know, pretty nice return on investment. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, 
you know, if you really want to get financial about this, most organizations have hurdle rates, meaning, uh, so an example of a hurdle rate might be 15% or 20% or 30%, meaning they won't even, they won't engage in an initiative if they don't think it'll bring in 30% return on investment. So if you spent $100,000, you would expect to receive $130,000 back. Uh, so I don't think a lot of healthcare organizations that I know of use hurdle rates internally, but that would be 100% hurdle rate. That would be we have to double our money or we're not doing it. So not only was it a misunderstanding of when to apply ROI, it was clearly a exaggerated expectation for what you might hope to get. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying to, you know, all we can do is continue to talk about this, help our clients through it. We're trying to come up with some creative ideas to help educate uh, healthcare marketers and those they work with internally. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date on how that's going. Okay, so let's switch gears here completely and talk about something that uh, you threw out in Twitter, Adam, related to, to Verizon. And, and actually it was, well, why don't you describe what, what, uh, what we're going to have people check out. Yeah, well, it was very, it was very cool, um, fun April Fool's joke, and there were there were a lot of them online this year. I don't know. Every year it seems to get, uh, they seem to get better and better. And there's, uh, especially when you're using social networking, Twitter, whatever, you have this nonstop feed of um, April Fool's jokes. So it's the whole day can be like, it can be gobbled up pretty quickly with entertainment and uh, not very productive, but. Right. <laughs> this one is pretty good. Um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Ver Verizon's br brand in, in terms of their identity. Their logo, I right. think, is horrible. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Man, that's going to have some horrible reproduction, some production issues when they try to use that on 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 their collateral, on their phones, whatever." I mean, there's. People can't see it, but we'll put a, we'll post yeah, we'll a link. Put, we'll put a link to the show notes. There's a really there's a fantastic um, branding blog called Brand New. Um, typically, what the author does is look at before and after shots of logos, and then after that, he'll dive into their brand more, look at uh, collateral, and also talk talk about the company in general um, and what their 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 brand identity is in terms of how people view them. Um, but the April Fool's joke that he had posted this day was a, a rebranding of Verizon. Um, and if you look at it, if you're familiar with the Skype brand, um, the, 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 the new Verizon identity he came up with um, looked, looked very similar. And if you dig, dig into the comments after the blog post, uh, you'll see that people are like, oh, it's a little fishy, isn't it? You know, rem reminds me of Skype, that kind of stuff. But um, when you look at it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. The branding is it's awesome. Um, I actually, at first when I saw it, it didn't dawn on me that it was April 1st. It registered <laughs> after a few seconds, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a joke. But at first I was like, wow, this is really cool. This, this, is, a, this is a nice redesign. Um, it's fun. It's probably going to reach their market well. Um, the, the, the fake ads they did, the way they um, kind of used the logo to make these words later on that was like very cool, very you, very fun. Um, it was just really well done. Uh, so the guy, whoever, whoever the designer was, and I'm sure his name is in here somewhere, it's, it's slipping right. my mind. Um, it's, uh, he did a good job. It was entertaining. Uh, and it was even more entertaining when I found out it was a joke. So, Well, and that's what's interesting to me is I'm looking at it online and uh, like you said, the new logo is very clever. The ads that were created. I mean, this is a lot of really good work. It's unfortunate that, A, it's April Fool's, so it's not 
and B that this guy went and did all this and you know, you want him to get paid for that kind of stuff. I mean, I, Verizon won't use it though. They should, like you said, their current logo is it's got the red check mark. I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, but it, I assume that's just like equating a signal bouncing. Yeah. And then the, Z. Oh, that's the V two, right on top. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that. I assumed my guess was that it always that it was supposed to be like antennas. That's what I oh. always thought it looked like. You know, like old school. You don't have cable on your TV. Rabbit ears. So you've got the rab the the yeah, the two antennas that point in different directions. Um, but you know, you wouldn't want that representing a. I know. That's one <laughs> of the reasons. I know. That's one of the reasons I thought it was such a horrible identity, a horrible logo. Well, and then they've got the Z. That's also. Uh, red and it's extended below the word and it looks like it's zooming uh it, the, part of this is i mean if you really want to be technical and weird about it the z is zooming like it's going to the left like the words moving mm-hmm. right to left the check mark makes me feel like the action's moving left to right so it's literally like fighting with itself motion wise right, right that and the, uh, that and the gradients used are going to pose right. some really some interesting production issues depending on what it's being applied to all right, so uh, uh, interesting April Fool's joke, uh, a clever take on a popular identity, and a, and a neat uh, blog to check out, brand new, that we would recommend that you uh, peruse and, and yep. link to. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's we got one more thing I think I want to finish up with, and this occurred to me actually. I started the the podcast with talking about this posting I saw about the fifth P. And that came, uh, it was a complete accident because uh, we talk a lot about Twitter and we talk a lot lot about Facebook. Uh, And at least for me personally, Facebook's personal, Twitter's professional. Uh, But there are a lot of other social networks that we don't talk a lot about. One is LinkedIn. And, you know, I started with LinkedIn before Twitter and Facebook and I've never really used it. Uh, I, I tend to respond to people when they request, you know, will you join my network and that kind of thing. Uh, but that's about it. I don't see how it's used. But somebody did that to me this week, uh, sent me an invitation, and I, and I went there. And then I saw, you know, I just happened to stumble upon some groups that I'd signed up for. So what this, what this caused for me was a little anxiety of, okay, I've got a number of groups in LinkedIn. I have Twitter, so I follow the uh, hash mark HCMKTG, I think it's called, uh, which are folks that are interested in healthcare marketing and HCSM, which is healthcare social media. So kind of got those networks going. Uh, we talked before about Shushmid, who has their knowledge community. Shushmid also has a marketing listserv. So let's just start here. We got Twitter, and I have at least two networks I follow uh, or little groups. I've got Shushman Knowledge Community I follow. I've got Shushman Marketing Listserv that I follow. LinkedIn, I have the Forum for Healthcare Strategists group, which has discussions going on. I have the Healthcare Marketing Network group, which has discussions going on. There is the Minnesota Health Strategy Communications Network, which isn't that active, but also has discussions. Shushman has a group in LinkedIn, but the discussions are blocked, and I assume they do that because they want people to go to their own network. Uh, and those are just the ones I have. I mean, Adam, do you have any that are at least related to healthcare or marketing that you would you would add to that oh. laundry? Well, I have the, I have a number of tech forums and resources that I follow as well. Um, in addition to the ones that you listed, or at least a handful of them. 
So yeah, it's a number of channels that can get a little chaotic and out of control to, to try to manage them but and it, keep, yeah. keep up with them on a daily basis. Especially if it's, I mean, let's just take healthcare marketing. I've got one, two, three, four, five. Let's just say five potential discussions, uh, social, you know, many social networks with discussions going on at once. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I've pretty much ignored LinkedIn, uh, I haven't really even thought about those. But then I went in and I saw, because I look in Twitter, I'm like, where are all the healthcare marketers? They're not, obviously, they're not all on Twitter, uh, but they're not in these groups necessarily either. Uh, but it, it's interesting to see the dynamic. Uh, I think in Twitter, it's more, there's more relationship kind of communication, more interchange. Uh, it feels more like I'm at a party talking to people. Right. Some of the groups in LinkedIn are way more uh, solicitation focused. So people wanting, you know, pitching their services, looking for jobs. Yep. Uh, it's a little more, you know, I don't know how to put it, less interesting to me, that's for sure. Uh, but but I wonder what I'm missing. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think people use depending on how people are originally exposed to these resources. I think they'll use them for some people might use LinkedIn as more of a, for a little more social networking than others do, um, and some people might look at Skype or not Skype but uh, Twitter mainly as a uh, resource for not even they don't even look at it as the party that you look at it. I kind of look at Twitter as a party, but. Um, I've used uh, uh, LinkedIn to I've, I've posed questions there and gotten some good answers, but that's about the only thing that I've personally used that resource for. Um, I found a little value in it at the time, but it was interesting because a lot of the responses I got, the question then was lo looking for an online storage solution for a lot of data. And um, a lot of the people who responded were businesses that do that. So it was... It wasn't necessarily information that I've, I valued it to a degree because it was nice to know that those people were options. But what I was looking for was people who were in my situation in the past who found good solutions and they weren't necessarily just pumping their own business. They were going to say, right. here's a solution, here's a solution. I liked this one. I didn't like that one. Um, this is what we went with and this is why we chose it. Uh, and I didn't get a lot of that. Um, Although through Twitter, I have found that you get a little bit more of that. It's a little more personal. It's a little more anecdotal. Um, right. It, it was just, I don't know, overall, it was just a little more personal and a little more useful and a little less commercial. It's less commercial. I think in Twitter, when somebody when somebody is self-serving, I mean, you know, we post blog posts and when our podcast is up, and uh, but these things are more content-oriented. You know, we don't say, hey, we've got a sale or, or why don't you try this service through Twitter? Because when other people do that, I think it comes off the wrong way. Right. And that's less the case in LinkedIn. And uh, I actually found an email from somebody that I've gotten to know through Twitter who I stumbled upon in LinkedIn. Her name's Katie Adams. Uh, I'm not sure where she's from. I think she's from the uh, East Coast. She's a healthcare writer, consultant. Uh, and I asked her, I said, well, how are you using these LinkedIn groups? Because that's where I stumbled upon her. Uh, her quote was, you know, LinkedIn is okay, but honestly, the group forums tend to be dominated by consultants. And in parentheses, she puts surprise, pitching for business and job opening and announcements. Uh, but she says she still tries to stay in touch with those groups uh, just to kind of, you know, you, you want to keep your ear on the, your finger on the pulse. The problem is you run out of fingers and there's <laughs> all these different arteries of information. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to, A, see where these head. 
because I just part of me feels like they're going to settle into different audiences with different purposes, uh, even though a lot of them, I think, try to try to, you know, replicate audiences or serve the same purpose. Uh, The ones that people like they're going to orient to and and the other ones will fade away or change why they're there. Uh, And I would be interested to hear from other people how they're using these and what other ones were missing, because I'm sure there are some that we're not even aware of. uh, Yeah, they're countless. I mean, one that you've kind of mentioned just by using the phrase stumble upon a couple of times is stumbleupon.com, which is actually kind of a cool site. It's a place where you can go and um, you can people recommend things that you might like based on other on other on websites that you like. It's a, basically a place to like, their little tagline is discover the web. Um, but you go there and it's just a cool way to find resources online that you may not have found otherwise. Just interesting sites. So there's another one to add to your list to manage because that one's also kind of built around uh, around the social network. And then somebody forwarded to me uh, Alltop, which I never heard before, which is an interesting – it's a website. It's an aggregator of information. Uh, and if you go there, if you went to like hospitals, if you enter that as a topic in Alltop, uh, and it's just alltop.com, and you went to hospitals uh, – it's new, so they haven't had it before. And it's basically blog posts, uh, news feeds, Twitter posts from healthcare hospital resources that this website considers to be important. And they kind of put the more important ones on the top. So you've got uh, Mayo Clinic at the top. You've got University of Maryland Medical Center, uh, which I think is up at the top because one of the guys that we've gotten to know through Twitter, Ed Bennett, is a leader in social media. So I think he's done a lot to promote that for that organization. And hopefully I'm not confusing his organization with this one. But I think that's the case. So that's probably why they're at the top. Uh, anyway, it's just it's, a, it's another place to go. And, of course, you've always got Google, but that's less of a social network. It's more of a you know, search engine, obviously. But So anyway, just thought we would toss it out there and, and maybe we get some feedback from folks and see what they, what they prefer and how they use these different networks. All right. I think that's a nice – Nice place to stop for the day. So. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I think that's All right, cool. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> We're done. Time for lunch. <laughs> All right, so for Interval, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week, and we hope to have a guest podcaster with us next week, so you'll find out who that is soon. Tune in. All right, take care. Bye.